1: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much again for joining us on another episode with Home Ownership and Marriage. I'm Brittany Lowe.
2: And I'm Drell Lowe. And we
1: are the Low Property Team. Yes, yes. You know, today we have a little bit of a sensitive subject. We're gonna be talking about the impact of financial trauma. Mm. And you know, this week we were in a training, you know, with colleagues and just talking about the market, current trends that we're seeing in our neighborhoods, in the area, some projections. And it kind of got us to thinking after, you know, we we go to these meetings together and we have that post talk after, I kind guess you could debrief. say. Yeah, a little bit of a debrief. And it got us to thinking just about financial trauma overall and the impact that it has on everyone. You know, for us right now, specifically in California, we have seen gas prices go up drastically. I know when I'm going weekly shopping for groceries, that bill has skyrocketed. Interest rates continuing to creep. I mean, the list goes on.
2: Inflation is just there. That's-
1: yeah. It's, it is it is what it is right now. But I think more or less what we wanted to talk through today, we just wanted to address a lot of facts, right? Things that normally people don't like to talk about. Yeah. And hopefully by us just discussing it, it really allows for some bigger conversations, some problem solving, some strategy building Mm -hmm. along the way. And honestly, I feel like this conversation is for for any and everyone. It
2: is not just predicated to those in real estate. This is individuals everywhere that are feeling or experiencing that financial trauma, right? Right. And how, if we take financial out of it and just talk about trauma specifically, it's compounded, it's doubled down, and it's rolled over, right? That one experience, negative or positive, we have grows the trauma or our traumatic experiences from that. So when we're talking about financial trauma and the adverse effects it has on you as an individual, more importantly, this is why Brittany and myself believed it was a, such a, yes, sensitive topic, but it's such a vital conversation that needs to be had because of the impact and its effect that it has on marriage. Real quick fact I want to share. Money arguments are the second leading cause for divorce right behind infidelity. Money arguments, that means finances, budgeting, where money is going, what we decide to spend it on, and where it's coming from. And as you know, Brittany highlighted We're seeing all this change around us in our community, whether it's the grocery store or gas station. We're seeing all this change around us in finances, whether it's interest rates or the the value of cost of things going up. And that's why the impact of financial trauma is so important to have that conversation with your spouse.
1: And I think as well is it's it's stress is what it really is. It causes this just is almost like a shadow following you Mm. every day. If you're going through a financial trauma, if you're stressed out about current things that are happening in the world. And so not to say that we're here to solve it by any means. We just simply want to address it it like the elephant in the room because it does need to be addressed.
2: And if I can, Brittany, when we're talking about highlighting financial trauma, right? A lot of people that we've come encounter with over during the course of the pandemic. When I'm timelining the pandemic, I'm really highlighting the two-year mark, right? Let's focus on that two-year mark. A lot of individuals that really took those financial hits hard is because they didn't have the role modeling in their lives on how to deal with those challenges. What do I mean? Our relationships with our kids, are we including them in conversations? Are we including them in budget talks? We want to make sure that we're not spoon feeding them, but setting them up for success. I'm not saying to sit your kids down and tell them at the age of, you know, six months or 12 months, how much infant milk costs and how much diapers cost and all this. But I think they need to have the exposure to those financial conversations. So they understand this is not foreign language to them when they get into middle school, when they get into high school and they are an adult in college.
1: And as well with that, I mean, Jarrell just talked about it as well. We were listening to a TED Talk the other day too, Mm -hmm. where the gentleman was talking about his son since the age of five or six years old, whatever it may be, when him and his wife went through their monthly finances, they sat down at the dinner table or whatever and talked about it, went through it. He had like, I think an Excel spreadsheet or something like that. But he said, as silly as it sounded, granted, you know, the six or five year old didn't know the jargon of what was going on, but it was expected that every single month we were all going to sit down as a family and discuss these items. And I mean, just thinking about that from a bigger standpoint of what that instilled for that child to understand the importance of it and the knowledge to do it. And I think that so often in society that we don't plan for the future and that we just plan for the now. And that's where a lot of stress or financial trauma can be stemmed or caused.
2: And I think just to highlight that, right, as we were listening to that gentleman talk on TED Talk, it was a mind blower for me. The reason why I grew up in uh, in my household... I grew up in the sense where, if it was money, finances, or credit, anything like that, that was grown folk business. Like, don't in, don't interrupt my mom, or don't interrupt mom and dad while they're having that conversation. Go in the other room. When I'm not pointing the finger at my parents, because this is probably what how it worked for them. But what we're learning in this process, as we're building us us being me and Brittany, is that kids need the exposure to those conversations. They need to understand the reality and what hard looks like and how we're preparing them for the future to come.
1: Well, and don't get me on a whole other tangent because we could sit here for days of trying to still figure out why financial literacy is not, you know, instilled in schools and School classes, sense, yeah. life skills, classes. And I mean, I do know that there are plenty of schools, specific schools that offer that. And nines out of 10, they're private schools. But what I'm more or less talking about are the public schools. That's just on a whole nother tangent. But I think not to mention as well is what we need to think about too is that a large portion of the world is still very much overcoming the emotional effects of Mm. the recent pandemic, especially Mm. if they might have lost their business due to the pandemic, or if their business took a a hard hit, or if they're put in a position now that they didn't have the job that they had two years ago, and now they're having to start from scratch. So that also creates financially induced stress, regardless Mm. if it's credit card debts, the cost of living where you're at, so we wanted to just kind of break it down and get some perspective around this since we are in the Bay Area and the cost of living is very high and it's drastically different from, I would say, a lot of places in yeah. maybe the US, right? But two specific facts is the household earnings right now are around 80000 to 165000 in the Bay Area as of 2022 qualify as a middle income. Wow that just speaks for itself right 80,000 to 165,000
2: how much that just middle in income yeah that's just the middle uh middle class income level is 80,000 to 165,000 now you know 10 15 years ago that would have been just a step up in that class but i didn't mean to cut you off but i was no, like no,
1: no. good grief yeah it, we have the i if I looked it up correctly, we have the sixth highest median household income in the U.S. And we have one of the highest cost of living in the country. Yeah. So
2: California is a country on its own. Yeah. Really
1: what is <laughs> San Francisco though has the highest income and the highest cost of living in the country. And California's impressive tech and entertainment industries offer an abundance of high paying jobs. Mm. However, its poverty rate is relatively high at about, I think it said 11.8%. And
2: that's a huge stat right there to process, right? We have some of the top paying jobs, but our below poverty rate is almost 12%. Like these are things that we should be thinking about and looking at when it comes time to making decisions for our family. That's why when we talk about financial trauma is so important. And if you were like me well, a Bay Area native, you understand what has taken place in this last two years, right? The Great Migration. Oh, everybody's going back to wherever they were from or going back to the cheaper states, the Midwest per se. I'm not saying those that are cheaper states, but... It's definitely. I'm pretty sure at seventy five thousand, you can live off of a great income there and be successful with your family.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we're seeing it right now with. I mean, just the Bay Area migration within itself of a lot of folks that were living in the Silicon Valley, um, you know, are have now moved to the East Bay, and those folks who were moving to the East Bay are now moving are to to, uh, to the different counties, Solano County, you know, Central Valley, and towards that way. So. We're seeing it more so here, I would say more so than we are. We're still seeing a lot of out-of-state, but it's just interesting to track the patterns.
2: The the migration, and I just want to pick it up where Brittany left off, the Great Migration, what we call it, is creating a mega region as residents move out to outlying areas and such lower-cost housing, right? So here in the Bay Area, we're just going to talk about the three major metropolitan, San Francisco, uh, Oakland, and San Jose, Santa Clara County. Those individuals are pushing out to the Central Valley, anywhere as far as north of Sacramento, Stockton, Modesto, even as far down as Fresno. Fresno is now in the top five of hottest markets out there. But with those migrations, right, when people are moving to those areas, there are some that are still moving out of state. But there's most that are moving to other counties, sistering counties, partnering neighboring counties, And while we still see this place of remote work being in existence, I will say, though, if you do a little driving like we do, traffic has picked up. So Mm -hmm. I would say the pandemic is over first. Let me just state that for the fact. But the Great Migration actually caused the surge in traffic and what we're seeing now in outlying areas, notably Merced County, San Joaquin County, and Yolo County. They have increased almost 16% in their traffic patterns, meaning now that the more families are moving to these counties, maybe the infrastructure ain't set up quite well or the light system or the railroad system or the freeway system. We're seeing this increase, this surge in these smaller counties because of the housing prices are so affordable, people are willing to commute.
1: Mm -hmm. They call them the super commuters. It's defined as driving 50 or more miles one way to work. We might have to to
2: define that. Yeah, we might
1: be super commuters too. (laughs) Well, not going to and from work, but the amount of driving we do per day. (laughs) But that within itself, I think we're having a ton of conversations with our clients, half of which are with buyers lately. And I know that we talk so much about it and you're probably sick and tired of hearing about it. But when we're saying buy now, it's not because of the interest rates. Yes, they've increased, Mm -hmm. but they're still at an all-time low. But because what we haven't thought about in society in general is that the rental rates haven't increased yet. That's something that is huge. Also for condo and townhomes, we're seeing a lot of those HOA prices also increase as well. So yes, as if you're a buyer and are even if you have the ability to buy now, our response is always going to be to buy now. You know, if you continue to wait, the prices are just going to continue to increase, and potentially if you're renting, that's going to increase as well.
2: But I think uh, just to add to your point, Brittany, I think it's so important to understand, and I might paraphrase this wrong, but it's I I, I believe it's called the bell curve, right? The bell curve, mm-hmm. and the bell curve just talks about who is the first. Quadrant of that bell curve. And the first quadrant is, is the innovators, right? The second quadrant is the early adopters. The third quadrant is the laggers. And then the fourth quadrant is those that are just way behind the gun. So, Drill, what are you trying to get to? When Brittany's talking about financial trauma and we're talking about the experience of the pandemic, right? She's talking about making a plan. And it's hard to make a plan when we don't know what to prepare for right? It's an old saying, if you stay ready for everything, you'll be ready for anything. Needless to say, at the beginning of the pandemic, everything shut down. And within a month, we saw interest rates drop to almost 0.75, 0.95, somewhere in that range. And the question that was in everybody's mind was, what am I supposed to do? But what was happening with innovators was they were going out there and making this market hot as heck, Why? That was the point, the 2020 year, right? We started seeing the markets so hot where 35 offers, 40 offers, 42 offers on a home. And the question became, we don't have enough supply. And then you start to move through those quadrants of, you know, the innovators, the uh, early adopters, the one that jump on first when something's coming about. When Brittany's talking about planning, preparing we don't know what's going to come and that's why it's important that we not, we're not we not caught as those late adopters. And if you're a late adopter in this timeline right now, now we're sitting at almost 6% interest rate and now we've seen a lot of our purchasing power drop. Yes, you might've been approved for 800,000 last summer, but you know what? That might be 725 right now. And that's why it's always important to stay informed Redo your budget and can stay in communication with your partner, yourself, your family, whoever is an important piece to you.
1: And I would say, too, we don't share this information to scare you. More or less, I think we just want to inform. Solutions from this, I would definitely say yes, are to budget, budget, budget. Say it again. And no, you always have me say everything again. Have the hard conversations. I think that planning the long-term goal where you want to be and moving backwards from that is so important.
2: I I just need to jump in and interject real quick. Planning and having the hard conversations. And Brittany, if I can put it in perspective for us, we have to plan how much every dollar has a name and every dollar has to be going somewhere, right? For us, it's great when we want to plan the vacations or where we're going out of the country. But we have to do the day-to-day planning, the budgeting, and understanding every dollar has a name. What eats us alive is when we don't label that dollar in our account, and then that dollar goes into the slush fund. And now in our minds, we think, I have more funds to go party or to do the fun stuff when we have to do the hard stuff first.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would say, too, the, the more you have these conversations, the easier it gets, you know, if you put it into a routine, like once a month, we're going to sit here and assess you know, what the past month we did, where we need to make some changes going forward to that next month, then maybe there won't be as much stress or mm. tension sitting down and having those conversations together. And I would even say, this could just even be done individually. Discipline yourself to yeah. sit there and say, okay, I want my books to be a little cleaner. I need to make some adjustments so that I can live the way essentially that I want to live. I think that if you don't know where to start and you're not really savvy with financial planning, there's a plethora of resources out there. If you're like me and I know that if I'm not good at something, I'm just going to delegate it to somebody. So or, in that case, or hire somebody, do it yourself.
2: GTS.
1: Or you can Google that stuff. Um, Google that there, stuff. And there are tons and tons of apps out there that you can plug in or connect your card to. Or if you want to do it, I'm a little old school. I don't like to connect my card to my phone and stuff. But I can digitally input how much I use per day. Or just really do it old school and write it down, pen and paper, which you are spending. Even if it comes down to every single day gathering receipts. Jarell and I used to do that. We used to gather receipts for the week. Heck, when we were paying off our credit cards, those huge Post-it little posters, I guess you call them. The teacher wipe. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wrote them down, the, the total balance that was owed. So every single month would go there and modify it based on the payment. And it's not like we'd sit there and say, okay, this month we're going to pay off everything and use all the money that we have, right? That's financial planning 101. You just get the small wins. You just pick one. Snowball it. Exactly. So, I mean, essentially what we just wanted to talk about was one, just the financial trauma to address it the elephant in the room hopefully talk about some you know resources that we've done in the past and more or less just bring your attention to it to know it's it's there yeah. and to continuing to be a work in progress and we
2: understand financial trauma we're all experiencing it at some place in time whether it's at the grocery store like Brittany said or it's at the gas pump we're experiencing it and the hope is as you're planning to buy and or sell the biggest thing that we're always going to share is educate yourself Get the information that's necessary for you and your family. And with that information, make sure you sit down and write out a bulletproof plan that's going to work for you. For us, we don't like to think beyond three years because after three years, a lot changes in our life. But what we want to focus on is this year, here's our financial plan. And as hard as this plan is, when we accept hard, everything else becomes easy. And that's why we, me and Brittany, Brittany and I, are having this conversation saying, look, it's this experience across the board. It's a shared experience, but we can overcome this. We can get through it together, and it just takes a little bit of work and a little bit of elbow grease and a little bit of knowledge. And with that being said, Brittany, anything that—
1: Just reach out to us as always if you have any questions or if you're considering if you should buy or sell or if, heck, if you need help with financial planning. Um, Another thing also that we always do is specifically for our buyers who don't know if they're going to be ready, we connect them with our lenders so that they can sit there and get a brief overview of everything just to say, okay, do you think that it would make the most sense for me to do it this year, next year? Run some numbers just having the information and then being able to assess and go from there.
2: With that being said, we thank you for tuning in. Until next episode, please reach out to us, follow us on all social media links, and we'd love to hear your opinion about the financial trauma that's
0: experienced and how we can move forward together. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Homeownership and Marriage with the Low Property Team. If you would like more information, help, or resources, or would like to book a personal consultation with the Lowe's, head over to lowpropertyteam.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, Jarrell and Brittany would be so grateful if you shared their podcast with a friend and leave them a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. The Low Property team would like to say thank you for supporting their show and being a listener. See you next time on another episode of Homeownership and Marriage.